Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. We have special news for you. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. Are you going to send me or anybody that I know to a camp? We have people that are stupid. Well, maybe from where she's standing, it's a good news story. When you're drinking from a creek, it's not a good news story. When you don't have food for a baby, it's not a good news story. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's the Ricochet Podcast with Michael Graham sitting in for Peter Robinson and Rob Long's back as well. I'm James Lilacs and our guest today, Michael Stopa and Jason Riley. Let's have ourselves a podcast. Bye-bye. Welcome, everybody. It's the Ricochet Podcast number 371. I'm James Lilacs. Rob Long is here, which means, of course, Peter Robinson isn't. I don't know what's going on. Between these two. <laughs> it's a feud. Uh, yep. Grab your shooting irons and head for the hills. Uh, how do we get here this far? 371 episodes. That's because we're brought to you by a variety, a phalanx, a panoply of fine people, including Casper Mattresses. Yes, get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash ricochet. And use ricochet as your promo code, of course. And we're brought to you by The Great Courses. At, what are you waiting for? I know you're waiting for this podcast to be over, but as soon as it is, get started with The Great Courses Plus so you can delve deeper into areas you love to learn about. Sign up now at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash ricochet. And we're brought to you by Ring Doorbells. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer, including yours. And today, over a million people using the amazing Ring video doorbell help protect their homes. You can save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com slash ricochet. That's ring.com slash ricochet. Uh, All together now, ring.com slash ricochet. And when I say ricochet, I mean this, the entity that is. And this is great because here's usually where Rob Long, if he does deign to appear, shows up and and gives you a desultory pitch for why you should pay money to the enterprise. (laughs) I'm going to make Rob read somebody else's copy, which as a creative source, I I to just drive him crazy. Welcome back, Rob, and uh, read somebody else's copy. I am thrilled to read somebody else's copy, and nice to be here, James. Just to clarify, um, I think Peter Robinson's traveling around. Uh, I did. I, I, I dined with him, though, just so you know. We dined together um, Thursday night, so he's doing well. Um, but I would like to say that Peter and I uh, founded Ricochet uh, many, many years ago, uh, 371 podcasts ago, uh, to, to create a space for lively, civil conversation among and between the center-right. And we've done a pretty good job of keeping it, the doors open. We've done a terrible job of marketing. Um, 
So luckily for us, Ricochet members uh, help us market, and Ricochet member Henry Reset posted this, and so I'm going to read it. I've been on social media for more than a decade, written hundreds of pieces of conservative commentary. Usually not always. I've been preaching to the choir, enjoying a receptive audience within my own little bubble chamber. It's pleasant, but not very productive. I've tried blogging, but building a successful blog takes time, focus, commitment. It also requires knowledge of search engine optimization, SEO, and other arcane aspects of building a digital presence. Most of us are too busy with our brick-and-mortar lives to compete in the crowded blogosphere. Ricochet provides a platform for the conservative voice to handle the nuts and bolts of managing an internet presence while providing normal conservatives, those of us who spend our days in the real world, with a platform for expressing our ideas to a larger audience. Ricochet is a group blog for the rest of us, a well-known conservative site that can propel thoughtful conservative content from regular people out into the wide world of conservative blogosphere conservative news. That is true, by the way. That's editor's note. For a few dollars a year, Ricochet makes it easy for us to share our views with thousands, tens of thousands who are searching for an alternative to mainstream media. So please go to ricochet.com slash join and join us. We need you. If you've been putting it off, it's the weekend. Uh, do it today. Do it today. Please. I like I like Blogosfeld instead of Blogosphere. I'm tired Blogosfeld. of Blogosphere. And Blogosfeld sounds like I could walk around now with black glasses and my silver shock of hair and call myself Carl Blogosfeld. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we go to the Blogosfeld already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, this is usually where we have Peter uh, Robinson. Uh, but Peter, as we say, is out swanning about in accustomed style, which means we welcome Michael Graham to the show, sitting in for Peter. Michael is one of the newest hosts at Ricochet's audio network. Uh, the show he has is called Michael in the Morning, and it's available every bleeding frickin' day around 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Informative, funny, and indispensable. Subscribe to it and listen to it on your way to work. And here he is, Michael. All right. Um... Why? Why should I listen to this? Sure, it's free. It's brilliant. It's funny. But uh, what else is there in it for me? Well, I have to start by correcting you. Everyone knows that Bloggersfeld was the rejected villain from one of the early Bond movies, and so I feel bad that I already have to step in and step on Rob Long's uh, pop culture credentials. I will say that, uh, like Peter Robinson, I am originally from California. I was actually born in L.A., although we moved to South Carolina. My mom is from Long Beach. My dad is from Myrtle Beach, so I'm bi-coastal, except you can't tell people you're in, in South Carolina that you're bi-coastal because they think you date guys on the beach. So I try to keep that to myself, but I will do my best. I will effort to hold up the West Coast wing of the podcast, which I listen to religiously. So it's a thr- it really is a thrill to be here. Oh, well, wonderful. Get up off your knees and unlace your fingers. This is no <laughs> need to be a religious experience at all. Uh, we don't take ourselves seriously. Wait a minute. No, we do. Of course, that's why we're here. We have important things to do to discuss. News. Tom Price out. Um, resigned. Swamp drained. Uh, or was this an example of uh, somebody on, t- on Twitter, I believe, said, or maybe it was on a blog, Ernst Stavro, Blogosfeld, said that <laughs> there's something actually refreshingly normal about the whole Price thing. Yeah. I agree. I I agree with that. I, I I also feel like there's a there's orders of magnitude of of scandal. There's um, this kind of scandal, which is let's be honest, it's how many times in many presidents have we heard about the use of military transport, all that stuff. Turns out, of course, that under the Trump administration, there's been fewer uh, military uh, flights appearing in his cabinet, uh, his, his administration. Um, you know, little those little facts are always useful, uh, but the, the orders of magnitude of scandal are are hard to argue with now because we have the regular scandals, which are a cabinet secretary uses the wrong plane or somebody's uh, scamming the 
federal government out of dough. That's standard. Then there's the second order scandal, which is the sort of use and abuse of executive power. Um, so far, this president hasn't really done that. Uh, but the last president, in you know, my estimation, did. Uh, just because you didn't cover the IRS scandal doesn't make it not a scandal. So people now say, well, Obama had a spotless, clean administration. It was really <laughs> done by fiat, right? That, uh, and then there's the third-level scandal, which I think is going to happen. The, the Trump administration is probably going to be facing in, in, in soon, which is you have an independent counsel looking for stuff, and uh, you've got sort of complicated things going on, and you, uh, th- that will probably end up being um, real. But like everything else about this president, he, he gets his opposition to turn it up to 11 at the first moment, so that by the time he actually reaches 11, uh, they're all... Well, well remember that Betsy... Remember that Betsy DeVos was attacked early on right. when they were trying to make this into a pattern. Oh, my gosh, she's taking private jets. And then someone pointed out, yeah, it's hers, and she pays hers. for the gas. So, uh, 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 Russia, Trump bad. So that's where they go. What I like about this is that we got rid of some dead weight. Do you guys remember? In fact, once again, I seriously, I am a regular listener to this podcast. And as Rob Long will tell you, because of the three uh, times he's had to go to court, I'm also a stalker of his. Um, remember talk- how we thought that uh, – uh, that this guy was going to uh, Tom Price was going to be the best pick in the Trump cabinet. He was the guy who knew healthcare, and he was the guy who knew the system, and he was a Washington insider, but he wasn't a you know swamper. And he was going to really use the power that Obama mistakenly put into the commissioner's hands, the secretary's hands, and go out and he was going to ref- use their tools against them. And then he disappeared. I mean, it was like he had testified against the Corleone family. He was just gone. The weird thing about it is that if, you, if you're a conspiracy theorist, which of course we're not, but if you are, he was the right cabinet secretary for the swamp or the, you know, the progressive, what is the deep state media industrial complex to take out. Because the Secretary of Health and Human Services has a huge amount of power, enormous power. The, the pretty much um, most of the teeth and the stuff we don't like about Obamacare can be adjusted by the secretary's pen. So getting rid of that person delayed uh, action. But but I think you're right, Michael. Michael, there wasn't that much action coming, mostly because I think uh, you need what you need in that position is somebody persuasive. That that, that is now a political position because you have to persuade a whole lot of people, uh, even people who voted for Trump. In fact, a lot of people voted for Trump. That they what they need to do is to give up Obamacare. Obamacare is a fun thing for people to complain about. But it turns out um, that a lot of people who voted for Trump and a lot of the supporters actually like it, uh, which is why it's been so hard to dismantle. <laughs> and someone doing that is doing that through, uh, you know, the administrative pen and not through legislative action, um, which I, I – by the way, I support wholeheartedly. I, but I, I think maybe what they needed in there was somebody who can charismatically explain what they're doing to a president can't. Um, you know, in the office and not have to leave it to um, sort of the clown car uh, on Capitol Hill to, to sort out. Well, you're right. It would be great to have the president make the points. The problem is, you know, we were talking before about 
Bryce being gone and how the, you know this was a scandal and it's not a scandal and Rob's three levels of scandal, is that the accumulating effect on the left is the increasing guiltiness of everything that Donald Trump is, does, touches, etc. Uh, and we saw this on the right as well. I mean, even though there would be a, 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 an implication, an accusation made against Obama, if it didn't come to fruition the way that we wanted, we still sort of kind of regarded that as sort of kind of maybe proven and added it to the mm-hmm. pile of things that were the reasons for which we opposed him in the administration. It's the same on the left. But the thing is, is that the ability, that the, their ability to keep shifting those goalposts, that we went from Russian meddling right. and collusion right. to now just sort of Russia took posts about Black Lives Matter. What, by the time that Mueller is done and they have discovered that there is some connection between one of his lobbyists and a hotel plan in Kazakhstan or wherever, that's going to be that will be the end thing that they get and that will be sufficient for them. And you will add to that every other failure and emolument and and and. Katrina-like failure. The thing is, they think that that's the truthful narrative that the rest of the country sees because that's what they see on Rachel and MSNBC and the rest of it. Just as the right, during the years of Obama, thought that that was the thing that was going to put Romney in office because everybody knew about this guy, right? Right. Right. And so I think that they have the same sort of surprise coming perhaps in two or three years when we have another presidential election as the right got when Obama was was kicked back, especially if the economy is kicking along at 3.2, 3.6, 3.8. Is that going to happen? Where I disagree is that the comparison with the Obama is because you're right that there was this presumption of guilt, you know, about Obama. But it wasn't when you said, you know, this is going to the pricing is going to add to the left's assumption that Trump is guilty. Everything he touches turns to fertilizer. Dude, they've been full spinal tap since January 20th. They've been it goes to 11. The whole there is nothing that is not an 11 with these people during Obama. Talk radio would sometimes settle down to a, you know, six, seven or eight. But it is nothing but nonstop. It is impeachable. And so I think it's going to have even less net effect on voters. I think, uh, guys, I'd like to hear from you. I think people, non-Trump haters are already tuning it out. Well, that's, I, mean, well uh, I, I think I think the problem, the, the, the challenge that Trump faces, and we you know we want to save some of this because we've got a Trump expert, a Trump expert coming uh, up, <laughs> my old friend, coming up. Um but the problem he faces, and we should talk to Michael about this, because he's a, a, a dyed-in-the-wool Trump supporter, is that he's he that Trump's got a ceiling. You know, even though his, his mm-hmm. poll numbers are going up a little bit, they go up in the always in the, the low forties is good for him. Um, and I, I think after this weekend, which we should get to, uh, uh, I think it's going to go down again. Uh, Trump's best uh, strategy, which I think whether it's his own or it's just intuitive, is to to continually troll the aggressive <laughs> left so they go insane and they they have this de- derangement um, uh, and, and diluted view of of America, the American populace and and nominate. I talked to a friend of mine who is, you know, kind of a moderate John Kerry and people like that. And said, he said to me, look, what's going to happen is the Democrats are going to look at Trump and they're going to nominate a Cranders. And um, I will happily then vote for Trump. Yeah. And and you that, get that's that, that's a very that's a, it's a high wire act. 
Yeah, you will have people who before had no intention of ever voting for the man and regard him as an aberration in the American political scene, eventually going and voting for him for the same reasons that people told him that they should in the previous election, that it's a binary choice and what are you going to do? But I think it will be because, you're, you're right, Rob, because of who they nominate and also be perhaps because the rude animal spirits of the economy have been have been opened up and let loose and we're actually seeing growth as opposed to the yeah. anemic limping around nonsense that we saw. I'll take that. I'll take that. As we all. And if people feel economically insecure come the next election, yeah, they might be casting around for some crackpot social ideas. No way to be secure. There's no way to be secure. Oh, Rob, how I missed you. Literally impossible. Oh, I missed you, Literally impossible. Hanging a lampshade on every single phoneme (laughs) I possibly come up with as I approach a commercial. You're absolutely right. Oh, come on. Wait. Oh, come on. I've been been waiting for this. You don't understand. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I'm such a fanboy of this podcast. Oh, no. I was waiting for the chance to be the guy who sucks up over Lilac's transition. Don't enable me. Tra- yeah, because, well. In particular because I used to do talk radio, so I have to, used to have to do these things too. And so I really know how hard it is to do them well. And Lilac's, you are the master, sir. Well, thank, master. thank you very much. But of course, having Rob back ruined everything. Ever so gently and quietly and stealthily, you might say, like a burglar in the night up to the uh, spot that we're about to do. But of course, the spot is the sort of thing that makes burglars run away in terror because they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be identified. They don't want to be caught. And what's the way you can make your house feel secure? Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer, and today over a million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. I happen to be one of them. Our Ring knows exactly how security begins at the front door, right? But it doesn't end there. So now they're extending the same level of security to the rest of your home with the Ring floodlight cam. Have you seen this thing? It's gorgeous. Just like the Ring's amazing little doorbell, the floodlight is a motion-activated camera and floodlight that comes connects right to your phone. Uh, HD video, two-way audio, lets you know the moment that anybody steps on your property. And you can see them, you can interrogate them. Uh, that's a great thing to have. Now, you can see and speak to the visitors, and you can even set off an alarm right from your phone. And with Ring's floodlight cam, when things go bump in the night, you'll immediately know what it is. Now, whether you're home or whether you're away, the Ring floodlight cam lets you keep an eye on your house from anywhere. It offers the ultimate in-home security with high visibility floodlights and a powerful HD camera that puts security right in your hands. With Ring, you see, you're always home. Now, I like the Ring doorbell because of, well, just the very reasons that I gave you, because you can see who's there. And in my passive-aggressive Minnesota way, I can say, I'm sorry I can't come to the phone right now. My leg is broken and I'm I'm sick and <laughs> sleeping. As opposed to go away with your clipboard, you miserable people. I'm not signing your petition. Uh, so that's just one of the ways you can do But you'll find out yourself once you're able to see who's at the door. It's great. And the special offer for you, the listener of the Ricochet Podcast, is this. Save up to $150 on a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com slash ricochet. Ring.com slash ricochet. That's ring.com slash ricochet. And our thanks to Ring for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. And now let's bring on Michael Stopa. He's the co-host of the wildly popular Harvard. Lunch podcast, and he's also a nanotechnologist, which is great because it's possible he's so small, like Fantastic Voyage style, he'll actually be able to go through the wires and appear on our desk. He's published nearly a hundred papers on the physics, chemistry, and biochemistry of very, very small 
whole things. And I believe, you know, you know, my picture is there, as a matter of fact. I's main focus has always been, how do we get those small things to work for us? He's currently teaching graduate chemistry at MIT, consulting for the National Science Foundation. He's working with a startup that's developed a new type of computer memory. Hmm. Until last year, he was the Harvard researcher specializing in computation and nanoscience in the physics department. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Wow, what an introduction. Boy, who is that guy? Yeah. Uh, hey, we were talking the other day on Twitter, I think Terry, of uh, Terry Teachout, I can never pronounce his last name correctly, um, of the Wall Street Journal, had just seen Fantastic Voyage for the first time. And a lot of us were discussing the, the science of it, the Raquel Welchness of it, the uh, music, <laughs> the Raquel Welch in the antibodies and the white suitness of it. Um, did you watch that at, at an early age and that make you think that nanotechnology is where you want to go? I was 13 years old or so, and it was really the Raquel Welch part of it that was that was appealing to me at the time. <laughs> the, the science eventually seeped in. Well, listen, you guys, uh, hello, hello, James, hello, Rob, and hello there, Michael Graham. I am Michael Graham, and let me tell you guys how good uh, Stopa is at his job finding very small things. He found the conservative movement in Massachusetts. <laughs> I saw it; it was wow. it was absolutely amazing. They, they you can you see you can see it every Tuesday and Thursday. They have visiting hours and stuff. A right-wing cauldron in Massachusetts. <laughs> sort, of, sort of the smallest pond with the biggest frogs. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, I wanted, so, listen, you guys, I wanted to charge into the Ricochet podcast, metaphorically wearing my Make America Great Again hat. But, <laughs> uh, but alas... I reduced it to ashes two weeks ago when when Amnesty Dawn joined the likes of uh, Rick Perry. Well, that's and, that's my question. All right, yeah. That's my question, Mike. Uh, <laughs> how's that MAGA hat doing? And and I say this with, of course, you know, you and I we've been around and around on this Trump thing. So I want to take uh, I want to take that that Trump stuff um, and separate, right? So I want to take you know, the the Trump uh, movement things and let's just talk about them in a minute. Let's just talk right now about uh, the politics of the moment. So the president tweets. President, I think, has um, had a uh, last uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, had a very, very bad week. Uh, that was during the Amnesty Don stuff and the, and the, the deals with uh, Chuck and Nancy. And then uh, we had a week where he seemed to sort of uh, get, get a little bit of um, um, of support back from some of the the more uh, the more MAGA types, mm-hmm. uh, and and now I think um, and by the way uh, his 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 uh, clearly a reaction to his reaching out to moderates, meaning Chuck and Nancy they're not moderates but whatever reaching across the aisle I should say yeah uh, gave him a couple of bumps in the polls he went up from his you know high mid high thirties to low forties not bad yeah uh, I mean. Go ahead. So this weekend, I mean, not this weekend, I should say, at 4.19 a.m. today, this morning, <laughs> he takes a bunch of pot shots at the mayor of San Juan in Puerto Rico and suggests that the people of Puerto Rico uh, want, you know, people to come in and do it. They're too lazy to do it themselves. Um, how is this going to get your wall built? Well, Okay, so I want to be as gracious and as dignified <laughs> at, at mea culpa 
and and fine fine crow cuisine as you were when uh, when Trump won the election and at least you were for a while. Uh, yeah, so I, so five minutes. So don't give me any credit. Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean now it's I back. Think to gracious it. is not what we would say. I I appeared on your podcast in full rage. So let's yeah. uh, I'll, now I'll shut up. Go ahead. Well, no, you have every so, right to. Uh, so, so no, you're right. Two weeks ago, you say that he had a bad week, but according to some people, uh, it was a great week when he reached across, quote unquote, the aisle to talk to Nancy uh, and Chuck. And um, and indeed, that was when people got outraged with this DACA thing. You know, uh, the, I think part of Trump's problem is, you know, there's a saying that you should keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. That only works if you can distinguish between the two. And so he seems to be he seems to be fraternizing with what we on the uh, extreme uh, knuckle dragging Neanderthal right wing uh, feel are, you know, his his uh, his uh, appreciation among the forgotten people. And um, so as far I don't I haven't heard about his tweets to San Juan. My impression was that some of the people in San Juan were in Puerto Rico were were satisfied with uh, him responding to their uh, to their. Well, it's, a, it's, a, help. it's it's a really good it's a, this is a, I think is a really good um, I don't know example perfect uh, illustration of the Trump problem politics problem he gets no help from the press uh, in fact the federal response to the disaster in Puerto Rico has been pretty good um, it is still it, it, but it is a it is a catastrophe and so it probably needs to needs to be better it needs to be more. Um, uh, more uh, robust. The palaver about the Jones Act was kind of stupid because the Jones Act is a labor act. It's kind of an EEOC kind of a business where it's all about safety and security and uh, workers' rights on boats. So they, we, they passed a law that said all the ships that come in, you know, in, in go in between uh, intra-U.S. have to have a certain standard, and that's something that usually Democrats are in favor of. Um, so he has a point. Then he ruins by tweeting, lazy Puerto Ricans, why don't you clean up your own mess? Um, Might I interrupt? Yes, go right ahead. Well, just, I just want to, I want to read the tweets real quickly so people can have them. That's the mayor idea. of San Juan, who was very complimentary only a few days ago, has now been told by the Democrats that he must be nasty, she must be nasty to Trump. Such poor leadership ability by the mayor and others in Puerto Rico who are not able to get their workers to help. They want everything done for them when it should be a community effort. And then it doesn't matter what he said after that, because once you've said that, right. you just, hello, where's the dumpster? I've got the gasoline and a match. So take it away, President Trump. Well, I mean, so Trump gets into this problem a lot, but um, but as as my uh, my partner Todd Feinberg and I say on the Harvard Lunch Club podcast all the time, there's there's this thing called the Trump trap, and I thought that you mentioned the NFL um, the mm-hmm. NFL kerfuffle, and I think that was a perfect example of it because you know the one thing we can all agree on is that is that the left is gets completely outraged when any part of the the ratchet of the motion right. of history that they have that they've managed to click up gets undone in one way or another and they and they depend on people they depend on on essentially obvious truths being concealed from people and so trump comes out and he says what seems to be the most outrageous thing in the world uh basically that you know well and he says it in the terms that a, a guy in wisconsin or pennsylvania or ohio or michigan can understand namely right. that well those guys those guys kneeling their sobs and they should be fired and and then 
this is this is an outrage to the entire mainstream media and not to mention you know sending the left ballistic but but then when when the smoke clears everybody says well yeah i i think that right. they shouldn't be kneeling either and and this this kind of head fake left and right and right. and driving everybody in some direction it's it's endlessly entertaining even after i had basically burned my make america great again hat <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily that this guy is really genius. Maybe he's but, just an ordinary businessman who doesn't know enough to keep his mouth shut. But it works like genius well, on some page. Let me follow up on that, because as you know, we go back and forth on this. Um, How is it working? Uh, we, we are stuck with Obamacare probably forever. Uh, he may, he's making deals with uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. Um, where we got the Dream Act is in there. We're, we're, there's there's the Amnesty Don is is it, it at the end of this we're going to have a, a comprehensive immigration reform probably precisely like was offered by the Republicans um, I don't know, four years ago three years ago whatever it was. Uh, I'm not convinced of that. Okay, but. It seems to me that what uh, that you and I interpret the the turbulence of the uh, the the tweets and the NFL and all that stuff differently. You interpret it as ultimately he wins, but I interpret it as ultimately it's distracting and he doesn't. He then, after reminding people, "Hey, I'm I'm still the you know the loudmouth you thought I was. I'm going to be a loudmouth about Puerto Rico. I'm going to be a loudmouth about the NFL. But meanwhile, I've got Chuck and Nancy in my office. Who's being distracted here? It doesn't seem like it's the left. It seems like it's the Trump supporters. Well, I think it is. It is distracting. And and I think it's entertaining in a distracting way. But as far as the nuts and bolts of what gets done in in the legislature, in our Congress, I wonder if anything could have been any different with any other Republican. We have 52 senators we have and we, i mean we've got uh we've got the house but but right. would jeb bush have pushed through uh it, this uh the repeal of obamacare i don't think he would have uh I, because because there's basically a rock and a hard place you've got you've got a few senators who aren't willing to go along with that it's it's disappointing i think eventually something will happen and and the uh the executive branch can you know make some uh, some progress on their own by ref- so what was, what, was the, what was the point then the, the the point was simply to increase the entertainment value of the of the election and then the administration your point I mean, was to be right the point, and the if, point was to keep Hillary Clinton out of office which a lot of people uh, on the right didn't spend a whole lot of time helping us well, do I, I, I was under the impression however that a great deal of swamp draining and making America great and reformulating of America and in generally winning beating the culture back, establishing a new standard by which the culture will be held was the whole point of this thing, that Trumpism was going to advance a, a panoply of ideas. And now if the thing is, well, eh, yeah, you know, same as you would have got with Jeb, I, let's at least ad- ad- admit that there was nothing but empty hot wind behind all of that, and just simply somebody other than Hillary was the whole point. Anybody other than Hillary. Anthony Weiner, if he'd had sufficiently conservative policies, would have been... <laughs> <that's> a, <laughs> absolutely, oh, wait a minute. No, everybody nervous. telling me this is a Flight 93 election would have voted for Anthony Weiner, knowing everything they know about his personal life, if he had been a Republican, and if he had had a few conservative ideas. There's no question in my mind whatsoever. 
That was, hey, 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 there's a big difference between Trump. Yeah, there's a hard. big difference between Trump and Anthony Weiner. I mean, it's no, possible Anthony Weiner could actually have some conservative ideas. So, I mean, come on. Let's let's be fair here. Positing the idea that if Anthony Weiner had everything that we know about his personal life, but had but was had somehow been nominated as the Republican and had a few conservative well, words come out of his mouth, that he would have been told he would have been Flight 93. Hillary was going to destroy the country. Weiner would have been preferable for all of his faults. And Dennis Prager would have been celebrating, not celebrating, but supporting him on the air. Chew that around for a while for a second. I got to get a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know. I think you might be ahead. I'm right here listening to every phone. Well, so I'm just trying to get to the, to get to what I I want. Now I want to have your, your, your prognostication on this. Are you going to get a wall? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think we'll get some semblance of a wall and, and it'll, It'll because basically, if Stephen Miller leaves the White House, then I might say that that's not going to happen. But yeah, um, there's been no kind of more, uh, you know, forceful promise. I I wouldn't bet my house on it, though. I think it's possible that we won't. But, uh, you know, I I look at the uh, look at the Internet every day and I I Google ICE and deportations. And I, I see that this 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 myth that the left introduced a long time ago, the left and the Chamber of Commerce introduced a long time ago, that you can't undo the uh, the illegal immigration problem that will never happen. People are never going to go back. So, well, this is this has been exposed as as a big lie because uh, because the people have now realized that just how fragile the situation is. O- only having Jeff Sessions as the attorney general, that alone is to me a win. People talk about uh, Gorsuch in the Supreme Court, Gorsuch in the Supreme Court. That's fine. Uh, the other justices throughout the country, those are fine. But but somebody who's actually taking into account the rule of law. You know, I've told you many times, Rob, to me, this illegal immigration thing, just like Ann Coulter, just like Mickey Cows, is really far and away the most right. important thing. The fact is, if we don't do something about that, then in a generation, the Republican Party will really be a tea party of people just sitting around a house having tea. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's a good line. And, well, let me and, ask you this. Because uh, yeah. I know we got we got to let you go, uh, but I, yeah. I want to ask you this uh, to talk about just political politics for a while because you've been, you know, you were you worked on the Trump campaign, you you get some presidential campaign chops now. Um, t- the way it looks to me, I mean, if if the economy keeps clipping along at three percent, which is pretty good, uh, that's going to help. And 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 if I'm sitting next to the President Trump I, and he keeps zigging through doing what. You know, success presidents do, frankly, political successful presidents do. You give a little bit of red meat to your base and then you make some deals. You give a little bit of red meat and you make some deals. That's what Bill Clinton did. That's what Lyndon Johnson did. In many ways, that's what Ronald Reagan did. So it's, it's, it's a successful political strategy. Whether you agree with the outcomes or not, is a separate thing. Mm-hmm. So why would he just keep doing that and keep the left going bananas and energize the far left part of the Democratic Party? So they nominate some crackpot. I mean, somebody that makes Hillary Clinton look like a moderate and scoop up all the middle, because it doesn't seem to me that the Democrats have figured out that there's a whole middle part of the country that is now doesn't know where it belongs. That if if and if if you had a the unthinkable happened, which is that if you had a Democratic Party candidate who was patriotic, like Trump, who thought the players should, you know, stand for the national anthem, who uh, was a little bit robu- was a robust uh, border security guy like Trump. Mm. Um, it seems like that would be a really 
a winning combination, but they're but they're not going to do that. So so do you think at the end of the day, uh, 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 2020 is going to be about whether the wall was built or not, uh, or whether Obamacare was repealed or not, or do you think it's going to be about that crackpot loony left person running against Trump? Well, I think you're right. First of all, that um, that Trump has managed to keep the left utterly perplexed and enraged and beside themselves and and consequently um it doesn't seem like the the democrats are inclined to do something in their best interest like nominate somebody like 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 hicklehooper or somebody you know some or or bennett from colorado these are people who could actually hicklehooper hicklehooper was the hicklehooper was the side guy to blogosfeld who could throw his hickle at people and kill them. He was my favorite character. Well, Hicklehooper probably could win the uh, could win the election against Trump. <laughs> yeah. But so, so in any case, um, in any case, the, those guys are a few. Uh, there are a few other people actually on the Democratic bench who could probably uh, beat Trump. But but you're right, Rob. They're not going to nominate somebody like that because the passionate people, the people who are just completely flummoxed right now, happen in in uh, 2020. That, that a lot of this kind of interesting and playing out now with this Alabama election in particular. That that uh, the Bannon forces are going around saying, "Okay, screw Trump, you know, uh, for, forget about him. We're going to we're going to resurrect Trumpism, whether he's going to be the uh, the leader of the party or not." Yeah. Now, well, Trump's not going to it will be the nominee, but um, but you know, it it all depends on whether or not the people who who are the forgotten people, who are the people who uh, who who listened to his message, and however uh, discombobulated it was, heard the siren song. Whether they're going to be there next time? I mean, you know, Michael was talking about the the cauldron of of conservatism here in Massachusetts. Three hundred thousand people voted for Donald Trump in Massachusetts in the right. primaries. Right. So um, so there's there's a really white hot group out there. But he does. I mean, he's got to he's got to hold on to. At least uh, a couple of issues, and I think the wall is is one of them. I mean, d- but the question: Does he really understand? And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, white hot. I heard the dog whistle. The whole supremacist <laughs> thing. Right there. Thanks, Michael. All right, everybody, you can, listen, you can hear more on the Harvard Lunch Podcast, and uh, we advise everybody to go do so and get a perspective that you won't get from the people who are constantly hammering the president, and um, you know may have good reasons for doing so. Uh, thanks, Michael. For, um, you know the phrase. Who's he talking about? Hickelgruber was that it? Hickelgruber, the governor of uh, Colorado. <laughs> hey, I, I like, by the way, he, funny name, but he, uh, the Democrats are fools not yes, to uh, put him front center. He's a, 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 a Rocky Mountain governor, and he's a, a, a pro energy. So he's like, and uh, his brownies are fantastic. I don't know what he puts in them, but jeez, <laughs> exactly right. Every time I visit the state house, I'm like all over these brownies. But Herman Hickelgruber sounds like the name that <laughs> that that Adolf Schickelgruber, Schickelgruber yeah. would use yeah. when he was signing into some some motel. Uh, you know, he didn't want to be exactly <laughs> caught, but he wouldn't do that, of course, because he had sexual issues and probably only one testicle. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if you study your history books, you could find things like it's that. Impossible. Oh, and to study I history. love no. too old. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't all uh, over it. Couldn't you can't educate yourself later. Awesome. You know, the interesting thing about having a new dog, and I have one, is that their oh. digestive system is working through all the things that, you know, the puppies, they eat constantly. 
<laughs> to the grass. They were getting off the scraps, but, uh, you know, the different foods that you try. And he's had a little bit of an upset stomach. However, the dog has the ability to issue a, a potent, room-clearing, eye-watering flatulence without ever actually making a sound. It just sort of <laughs> inhabits the room. And it sneaks into your 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 breath exactly like Rob Long's ability somehow. <laughs> you know what I'm doing. Where do you think I learned? It's amazing it? because you're you're just breathing in, and life is going normally, and you're doing what you're supposed to do. Silent and then this yeah. uh, this malodorous, miserable, <laughs> but you know, Rob, DNA love it. unraveling you love sort of chemical. like you love your new puppy, you love that. It's just one Rob of things. Yes. Rob, you, you know the joke that I'm thinking of right now, don't you, about the guy who goes to the date to pick up the girl, and he's in the living room with the dad and the dog? You must know no. that classic joke. You don't know that joke? No. I know. You don't, I'll, I'll, off the air. Off the air, I'll share. Uh-oh. Okay. You can't tell it off. You can't tell it on the air. You tell well, everybody there's this really funny thing, and then you're <laughs> private of them, and so you're going, to, you're going to give it to somebody later in five when the when join the hoi yeah. exactly join Ricochet, and I will post no joke. I will post at my page on Ricochet the date dad dog joke uh, for people who like comedy that's PG seventeen and the aristocrats. The thing I was trying to talk about. <laughs> Was learning, and that was before Rob Long came along, and with his, you know, it's not, it's it, Rob didn't learn to ruin things for people. Rob, you know, it, it's natural to him, but not everything is natural to everybody, and that's why sometimes you need a little assistance, you need some instructions, and that's why the Great Courses Plus is a wonderful institution that we keep telling you about for good reason. Now, it's an on-demand video service with a wide variety of engaging lectures that are taught by award-winning professors. Topics like politics, business, photography, cooking. It's the perfect way for people like you who love to learn to get unlimited access to over 8,000 fascinating videos. I said 8,000. I meant it. So what are you waiting for? Get started now with The Great Courses Plus so you can dive deeper into areas you love to learn about. One of the ones we keep telling you about, and it's germane to these difficult days, is the the Philosopher's Toolkit. It's a, well, one of the lectures is called Outwitting the Advertiser. You want to do that? Wait a minute. I'm the advertiser. I don't want you to outwit me. Yes, I do. I want you to learn the skills to be able to go through an ad and see how they're trying to manipulate you. Professor Patrick Grimm will tell you about the world of advertising and how it's filled with psychological manipulation, misleading half-truths, magic words designed to get you to buy, where the lecture cuts through all of that spin and shows you the advertiser's favorite techniques from beautiful spokespeople to empty messaging. That's great. I love advertising. I admire advertising, but still, it's helpful to know what they're up to. The Great Courses Plus will give you immediately a free month of unlimited access to all of their lectures when you sign up with a special URL, and that is The Great Courses Plus dot com slash ricochet start your free month today the great courses plus dot com slash ricochet thanks of course to ricochet for being here for being sponsored by the great courses it's an honor now we bring our next guest jason riley Jason Riley is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's also the author of a new book, False Black Power, and we welcome him back to the podcast. Uh, you wrote that you used to sit for the national anthem as well. Uh, yes, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness and um, taught not to not to stand for the national anthem or salute the flag in school. Uh, we were taught it was a form of idolatry. Um, so that's um, uh, how I spent my childhood. I left the, the organization voluntarily in my teens, but um, but as a youngster, no, I didn't stand for the national anthem. Well, first of all, Jason, I'm a huge fan of yours. I love the work you do. I read your columns all the time, and you talk about the uh, the, the the honest 
you know, facts on the ground about race in America. And that's what I'm interested about this is that you have this fight with the, uh, the NFL folks trying to point us to a vague general concern they have. And then a lot, a lot, not a lot of specifics to follow on this very week. we I found out, I saw a stat that for six years in a row now, more black Americans were murdered than white Americans last year, which is just, if you think about the math, you know, 13% of the population is black. That's just horrific. How is it we get spun off on flag issues and, you know, Kaepernick when you have glaring numbers like that? Well, I I sort of fault the the media coverage. In fact, I I don't think that the NFL players' perceptions about, about race and policing are any different from that of the general public given how uh, this issue has been covered in the media. And I, and I really think that the media has perpetuated uh, an incorrect or false narrative with regard to what's going on out there. I, I don't doubt or question the patriotism of, uh, of these players. Um, the question for me is whether what they are protesting has some basis in reality. Are, 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 are they talking mainly about anecdotes uh, and, and viral videos on, on social media, because everything I've looked at that has attempted to um, look at this issue empirically does not show uh, an increase in police shootings in general uh, or an increase in police shootings of black suspects. In fact, when you look at the empirical data, you see the opposite has been occurring for decades. Uh, There's a downward trend in uh, police use of deadly force. Hey, Jason, it's Rob Long. Thanks for joining us. I mean, I, I, you're, you know, the work of Heather McDonald, one of, one of your Manhattan Institute colleagues, uh, has been pretty incontrovertible on this. But so is, is it just the, the media turning this into some kind of uh, firestorm for the past three or four years? Well, you know, with Ferguson and Sarah, is it just that? Is it is there or is there something deeper happening that that we're not paying attention to? Well, I think the the left in general, um, and I think I consider uh, overwhelming majority of the mainstream media to be part of the left, the political left, and its coverage of issues like this. But the left in general has has has, has driven this. Um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement is based on this notion that there's an epidemic of cops gunning for blacks. Um, but again, you, 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 look at, you, you look at the data, and it just isn't there. Uh, in New York City, where I'm based, um, police shootings have fallen by more than 90% uh, right. over the past four and a half decades. In the early 1970s, cops shot more than 300 people in one year. By, uh, it, it killed more than 90 of them. By, by 2015, that was down to something like 26 police shootings and six uh, police shooting fatalities uh, in, the, in the nation's largest city with the nation's largest police force. And you can look at, look, you can look at other big cities and see uh, similarly dramatic uh, downward trends nationally. Um, something like, you know, blacks are something like 70% less likely today, or the rate at which blacks are shot is 70% lower than it was back uh, in the late 60s. Uh, so you, you see these trends nationally. You see them in federal statistics. Uh, right. There's an economist at Harvard, so, Roland Fryer, who is black and put out a study last year. And, and this is a guy who said, I, he said, I was looking at all this media coverage, and I said, is this based in, in, in the, the data? And he looked at this, and, and he said he couldn't find a racial bias in police shootings. He said well, then, that black suspects were less likely than white then, suspects. 
uh, to be what, the, the, the uh, to be shot by police. Then what's the agenda here? I mean, this this issue. I mean, now it is like everything that happens uh, under President Trump. He has become Trumpified. But before it was Trumpified, it was uh, President Obama was the president, and and. And and that's when the you know uh, Ferguson and and uh, and Baltimore erupted into riots. Uh, it was President Obama. What 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 is the driving motivation? What or or the is there one? Well, you're, you're right. Agenda you're you're right. But Obama could have could have um, spoken more constructively about this. So could uh, Eric Holder. These are two black men. They know this issue inside and out. They know black homicide rates are not being driven by police activity. Um, they know that police have a perfectly good reason to be in these neighborhoods. They know that black uh, crime rates are, are, are some multiple of white crime rates in all of these violent crime categories. They know all this. But it was politically expedient, I think, to let this narrative go out there, to let it continue. Um, I think that um, you know the black left has uh, a stake in keeping Blacks in particular, racially paranoid and angry and upset. I think they get a lot of political mileage mm-hmm. out of keeping keeping that out there. And I think that's why Obama would talk out of both sides of his mouth on this issue. Um, oh, all sides need to calm down. There's sort of a moral equivalency to, to the way he and Holder and his, <laughs> good and his people, Justice good Department. Good people on both sides. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Jason, I, I Jason. Jason, look. It's identity I, I, politics. This, this is driven by identity politics. Jason, listen. I, now, I hear now, all your facts. In all fairness, in all fairness, we now have a president who also practices identity right. politics. Right, right. I right. think this alt-right stuff is the flip side of what we see from Black Lives Matter. So two can play this game, and I think both sides should cut it out. But this is what was going on under Obama, and I think that is why this narrative has been has been out there. This narrative that the NFL players and others are protesting. Listen, Jason, I've heard your facts, but as I learned when I gave a speech at Amherst this week, facts are hate. So you can keep your hate to yourself, Mister. Um, yeah. I, one of the one of the most painfully white things that a white person can do is ask a black person to be a spokesperson for all black Americans. Jason, when black Americans look at the American flag, do they see the same flag as everyone else? Because that's the meme I've been getting in the NFL debate is that if you're black in America, the flag just looks different to you. Oh, I, 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 I'd quibble with that. Um, you do know blacks are overrepresented in the, in the U.S. Armed Services. Uh, that that is uh, and and have been for some time. Um, if that was the general attitude of blacks, why would they be entering military at the rates they do uh, to put their life on the line for this country? So I, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't agree with that now. Do, uh, do you think? Uh, can we just put your political hat on? That a good political move for Trump to uh, agitate about the NFL players, or do you think it's a bad one? Good in terms of what? In terms of his uh, approval rating? He doesn't seem to care about that. Uh, good in terms of keeping his base riled up? I guess so. Um, they don't seem to have a problem with him doing this. I don't think it helps the country in general. I don't think it helps the NFL. I don't think it helps the tone of, of the debates uh, that we're having today. And I don't think it helps address the issue, the underlying issue 
that everyone uh, seems to be uh, concerned about here, which right. is the relationship between uh, these poor black communities and law enforcement. Um, I'd like right. to see that relationship improve. I think it won't improve until we get these black crime rates down. But in the meantime, we should all be looking at the same statistics. We should all be talking about the same set of facts here. And unfortunately, what's happening is that uh, increased media coverage of police shootings is being conflated with a supposed increase right. in police right. shootings. And they are not the same thing. And so I, right. I want to ask, if I can ask one last question, it would be from people who are traditional conservatives, small government conservatives, law enforcement conservatives, what is a, a policy that they could r- rally around or, or an item they could push forward that would be an open door to their fellow black Americans to say, here, here's something we can do in this area together. Here's a policy that we can set the emotion aside and the name calling aside, and we can all stand for the for the pledge, and we can do X to actually make things better and, and get some resonance in the black community. I, I don't know that there's a there's a single policy that can do all that. I do think that if um, these players wanted to play a more constructive role, um, and, and knowing that they have this platform, knowing that they have this bully pulpit, uh, they could they could say to these black youngsters, you know, actually police shootings are statistically very rare. And in and, and many of the cases we've seen, people have been resisting arrest. When the cops pull you over, do what they say. If you quibble with it, take it and take it up in the courts. You don't fight this out in the street. Uh, if, if you want fewer 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 body black body bags, if you want to save black lives, if black lives matter to you, um, you know that that's what we should be focused on doing. You know there there were there were something like you know, forty three hundred shootings in Chicago uh, last year. Uh, less than one percent involved cops. I mean, the idea that, that, that we are, that all of this attention has been focused on law enforcement is just ridiculous. Uh, that, that, that is not where we're going to get the most bang for our buck here if we want to reduce that black body count. Uh, why are we focusing on the, on, on the 1% of shootings that involve cops and not the 99% that didn't? It, it makes absolutely no sense. So I think that these players play a very constructive role in simply laying out the facts. I don't expect them to be up on the latest uh, academic studies out of Harvard, but I, I do think that they could, they could say, and I think they know, that, um, that, that police shootings are, are relatively rare. And, 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 and social media videos and, and, and anecdotes can't compensate for hard facts, and, and the facts are what they are. Oh, hard facts. There you go with those things again. Hey, uh, if you want, you want more of those hard facts, you can, for example, go to Amazon.com, where right now Jason Riley's new book, False Black Power, has got so many five-star ratings, and that's a fact, that even an <laughs> army of trolls going in there with one stars to bring it down can't drag it down anything more than 4.5, because it's good, it's solid, it's well thought of, and it is something you should put on your list next to read. Jason Riley, thank you so much for being with us today in the Ricochet Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We have here in Minneapolis uh, something of a minor little crime wave going on downtown around the bars, around the uh, nightclubs when they close. There's there's beefs, there's yeah. arguments, disputations, shootings, etc. And there's also assaults during the day that people are saying that downtown is becoming increasingly unsafe. Well, the stats are, you can debate them, exactly. you can massage them, you can do whatever you wish with them. The thing is, though, is that they removed from the police's toolkit the spitting and lurking laws because they had a oh. disparate impact. Right. And this is a means by which that the police 
would go around and say, you there, uh, you uh, shambling person who is hitting up everybody for money, uh, harassing people, I'm going to get you on spitting. And consequently, everybody was happy for about a week or so. And then what happened was eventually disorder began to creep in because they'd taken something out of the police's toolkit. Uh, now, we can have that argument as to whether or not that's a good idea. Right. But when you right. have even the liberal politicians now angling to be the mayor of Minneapolis are saying that we need more pl- – I mean, granted, there's one there's one candidate who says we need to disarm the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you've, Minneapolis. You've always got one of those. But everybody else is generally saying, um, no, we need, uh, we need more and we need stronger policing and we need uh, more community involvement and all the rest of it. Uh, because liberals, the smart ones at least in charge of cities, know that this, this is not something that is going to – it's not going to go away. They can't win on it, and it alienates absolutely everybody. Well, well, the- I- yes, man. I was just going to say, yeah, this is the kind of big government stuff I've come to expect from you, Lilacs. I come from a long line of lurkers, and I want to defend my right, my constitutional right to lurk. In fact, lurking almost made the fight. It was cut at the last second by a very vindictive Ben Franklin from <laughs> the lurking Constitution. Lurking Abs- uh, Lurking particularly. But, but I think that, that, that you're right about the urban, uh, urban leadership uh, Although uh, there doesn't seem to be any consequence, um, um, Mayor de Blasio, who I mean, oh, if only there was a consequence, uh, Rob. If only there was a consequence, like finding yourself in the middle of the day, sleep, you know, dozing and napping because you didn't well, get enough sleep nap? the previous day. Yeah, never, exactly. You see what I just did? Do you see how I lulled you into believing that I was actually talking about something different? And when you picked yeah, up you that do that all the time, and you ambled down, I, and you ambled away time, with it, I, I thought. I, I, half of the time, I'm interrupting your segues. And, and, and I don't even know I'm doing it. You don't even know you're doing it. So I just, <laughs> I just thought I would let you start to make a point the under, half, the, under the belief that you actually were going to be able to finish your sentence. Then I interrupted you. Let's back in a second. But I was right. If you find yourself nodding off in the course of the afternoon, it might be that your body is saying one of two things. One, we are wired to nap. And two, modern people with access to the best information know that you need a good sleep surface. And they know that Casper is that. It's a brand that's created an outrageously comfortable mattress and it's sold directly to you, the consumer, which eliminates the commission-driven inflated prices that people previously paid. The award-winning sleep surface was designed in-house. It's got a sleek design and it's delivered in this small, how the heck do they do that kind of box that just pops out. And in addition to the mattress... Uh, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets. What a perfect sleep experience you're going to get. Now, the mattress industry has forced you to pay notoriously high markups for all these years, and Casper, not going to have that. They're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with the retailers and the showrooms and passing savings directly on to you. That in-house team of engineers I mentioned, they spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines suggestive, <laughs> suggestive, uh, insinuating, supportive is the word I'm looking for, supportive memory foam. <laughs> For a sleep surface that's got just the right sink so when you drop into it, ah, and it's got just the right bounce so you don't find yourself falling through to the slats. Now, breathable design, sleep's cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Now, buying a Casper is risk-free. That's free delivery, free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't like it, they'll pick it up and they'll refund you every single penny. Casper understands the importance of sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Okay. So it's obsessively engineered, shockingly fair price, product design. It's got the great foam layers for ideal firmness, affordable price because they deal directly with you, free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada, 100-night trial, no hassle returns. What else do you need? Well, there's a 1,000 
2,000, no, 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars on the internet. It's the favorite mattress of the internet based on Casper, Amazon, and Google reviews. Designed, developed, and assembled USA right here. That's right. Our offer for you is this, $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash ricochet and using Casper. No, I'm sorry. Ricochet is your promo code. Huh, silly me. Casper.com slash Ricochet. Ricochet is your promo code for $50 off. And we thank them for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. Gentlemen, before we go, um, my favorite story of last week, I believe, was CNN saying, we have to ban this guy who said he, he stands for the First Amendment and boobs. And then shortly thereafter, <laughs> Hugh dies. CNN is all about, he was all about the First Amendment and boobs. Yeah. Ah, which shows, which suggests perhaps that there is a bifurcated, complicated historical relationship culturally between the left and Hugh Hefner at this moment, right? Yes, I, I absolutely agree. There's a there's a complicated uh, relationship between the left and uh, prurience, uh, mm-hmm. and has been forever. The on the one hand, the the blue stockings in the in the country are a, a, almost exclusively liberal. They're almost exclusively about. Uh, uh, Going through libraries, boulderizing, worrying about how uh, how how bodies are being objectified, and yet they still can't help themselves, and they still can't help create this sort of straw man. Uh, I guess it's the uh, the, the thundering um, evangelical preacher that lurks inside, you know, their their hive mind. <laughs> and and they what they love about Hefner was that he uh, stuck a thumb in the eye of the you know wasp. Uh, uptight American um, middle class establishment in the 50s and 60s. Um, it, it, it actually is a kind of a mental breakdown um, <laughs> that only yeah. they can that only they can manage. And I and I, I say this because I yesterday I, because I uh, I I don't know I hate myself. I was flipping through Twitter <laughs> and I saw uh, that uh, the a librarian from Cambridge right here. Yes. Every year, I guess, the First Lady of the United States, whoever that First Lady happens to be, sends book picks randomly a, a library and sends a bunch of books there on National Book Day or National Children's Book Week or something. And this librarian um, received uh, Melania Trump's books, which I think were mostly Dr. Seuss and some other incredibly, incredibly anodyne, inoffensive titles. And she responded with a screed saying, uh, you know, I'm sending these back. They're racist. And as you know, as you must know, Dr. Seuss is racist. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that we can decide that there are really only two Americas now that matter. It, if you, if those people who think that Dr. Seuss is racist and those people who think that he is not racist. And I suspect right now the smaller group thinks he's racist, but I understand that the culture war is really, when it comes right down to it, is really about whether you even, whether you believe you can be convinced that Dr. Seuss is racist or whether you think that that's nonsense. And I, 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 more more than that, I think, is where we are left. So whether you – Hugh Hefner, I kind of get. Like, okay, you know, there, there are a lot of people on the, on the right. There are a lot of sort of social conservatives who disapproved. And there's, there's always been a connection between certain social conservative views and the, the views of the progressive feminist left. But the Dr. Seuss thing, I think, is a much brighter line. <laughs> I mean, either, either he's bad or he's not. You know, all this week, the theme on the Michael Moyne podcast has been, I can't believe the anti-Trump people think they're winning. 
I don't understand what they, their definition of winning is. They, they got their head handed to them on the NFL thing because to a typical person, they looked up at TV and they saw people refusing to stand for the American flag and the national anthem. I mean, all, all that was left would be for a, an anti-Trump person to walk out and punch a grandmother serving apple pie to children on the 4th of July. That was all that was left. How do they think this is a win? And the same thing here in Massachusetts with the Cambridge librarian, who, by the way, Rob, I don't know if you saw the photos of her wearing a cat-in-the-hat outfit oh, I saw just I saw two them, yeah. years ago. Yeah, she was the topic of our podcast on Friday. I mean, everything I, – I urge everyone – Read her actual letter, because in that letter to Melania is is quote why hashtag why we got Trump how we got it's all there she's insulting you should read more she's rude who wants your books she's completely partisan your husband is destroying schools and she's factually incorrect in the few assertions of fact that she makes she's arrogant and she's an idiot and if you've seen her photo she looks exactly like the SJW that she thinks she is you think she is and she is out marching for the we must Strip your homes of the American flag and the cat in the hat if we're going to have a decent society and stop Donald Trump. And all I can think is Trump has got his feet up somewhere. If you were if you were the Trump I want him to be, he'd have a martini and a cigar. He's not, so he has what like a Pepsi and a pencil, whatever. But that he is, they are handing him the middle of American political debate. They're handing it to him. The the thing is that you never find anybody on the left who's asked, so is Dr. Seuss racist? Uh, you never find a politician being asked that. The uh, allegations have been made that Dr. Seuss, from uh, up to and including the Lorax, <laughs> is racist. How do you respond? And if you ask your friends about that, your, your, your liberal friends about it, they will wave it away and say, well, that's nonsense. There are people who are crazy. And they regard them the same way, for example, that people on the right who want to censor absolutely yeah. everything because they hate absolutely everything. Okay, We just sort of indulge and shake and shrug our shoulders and move along. But in this day and age, that part, if they are going to identify absolutely everybody on the right as being a white supremacist, racist, Westboro Baptist maniac, <laughs> then it is, an, it is entirely up to us and beholden and indeed required of us that we ask of them all the questions that they ask of us. In other words, if Seuss isn't racist, this person has identified something as being racist and objectionable. And since they're more out there than you, by modern standards, that means they're probably right. The extreme yeah. these days gets to identify what is right. actually correct for us all to believe. And if you don't, then you're enabling it. Then you're just permitting somebody to continue on with their current paradigms. And we're not all about that at all. Now, Ron, and, you mentioned and, can, can I, but, oh, I know we have to run. Can I just one, no. can I have one more thing? Uh, the, the one thing that it's funny and hilarious and it's funny. She thinks Dr. Seuss is racist. Isn't that crazy? There is one sentence in there that I found profoundly disturbing. And I don't really know yet what I think of it, but there was a sentence in it that said, you know, uh, our class uh, is a uh, the books you sent were not diverse. We want to celebrate diversity. Our class is diverse. The students have um, uh, come from all all ethnicities and religions and and races and creeds and gender expressions. Gender expressions. She. These are kindergartners. <laughs> uh, that just something so creepy about that. 
Uh, that, that is where it's suddenly the funny, funny, it's funny, she thinks Dr. Mm-hmm. is racist, what a weirdo, turns dark for me. Where a sudden, what are you, what is going on in those class? They're kind of five or six, right? Like, that's that's crazy. That's a crazy and, sentence. And this crazy sentence for me, being trapped up here, the crazy part of the story, living in, trying to be a, a conservative voice in the media in Massachusetts, is the CBS local affiliate interviewed people, and overwhelmingly, I think almost unanimously, they all supported the teacher. And they all supported the teacher for one reason only. She hates Trump. And if you hate, you know, this is the flip side of the, I could walk yeah. down Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and you'd like me. If you walk down Fifth Avenue and, you know, gun Trump, there are a terrifying number of people on the left who'll say, "Well, hey, you, you got to break a few eggs." And it was, right. it was that was the scary part for me because I live with these people and I know they're not crazy, and yet they're crazy. Right. Well, this podcast was brought to you by Casper, the great courses, and Ring Doorbells. <laughs> you can go to all those sites. You can see them on the web. You can look at them right in the description of this podcast and find the coupon code. Hint: It's probably Ricochet. Save lots of money. Make your. There's also the Ricochet store with things that you can find there, so you can brand about town. As we have you ever heard that term used like that? I'm going to brand about town. Well, no, you will. I'm trying to sort of change the locution there. If you enjoy <laughs> the show. Think, that's know, actually, by the way, a very good location. Well, it's better than Swan. Could we kill Swan once again as a regular listener to this podcast? Could the Swanning end, please? Call me Peter Curtin. I have just killed the Swan. Um, And please, if you listen today on our brand new X-John tier for $2.50 a month, it's absolutely going to be a full-fledged member for just a few dollars more, and the experience only gets better. Uh, For example, you can comment at that tier, and if you can comment, then we can read them and talk back, which means we'll see you in the comments, everybody, at Ricochet 3.0. Gentlemen, next week. Let's speak, Bob. Thanks.
Ricochet. Join the conversation.